be. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned out. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers. My guest today is Jay Bear. What is going on? This is the, my favorite show I've ever been on that's titled Poop. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for sure. And the only one. There we go. Well, well I don't know we'll about we'll that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. So how have you come to the point you're at where you mentioned you're doing like 70 speaking gigs a year yeah. now, right? Yeah. So yeah, how, how did you land here? Well, I I, I started um, as, a, as a young person right out of school uh, in politics, and I, and I ran political campaigns, and I was in the political business for a while, and, and that was... Uh, not a great uh, family gig, you know. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> yeah. a really intense environment, and uh, I'm still interested in it. But I, I got out of that for a while, and then I I got out of politics, and I started to work uh, for waste management, the environmental services company, and so I I was in charge of PR for them. So I basically gave landfill tours. Uh, so I know so a lot you went from the crap of politics to, to exactly like real literal crap, precisely, <laughs> uh, and then went from there. Uh, to a, I was a spokesman for a state agency, but it wasn't like a cool state agency like, you know, environmental services or tourism or lottery. Uh, I was the spokesman for the Arizona Department of Juvenile Corrections. Oh, wow. So my job was to give tours of the juvenile prison system, which was, you know, I sort of went from the poop of politics to the, 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 the poop of, uh, <laughs> Just, of trash to the poop of prisons. Yeah. Like, yeah and I thought, yeah, like, maybe this career path isn't going quite like I expected. Uh, but then I, I, I went out to, to dinner one night with um, some friends of mine from university, and, uh, and I really didn't like working for the government. I'm like way too entrepreneurial. And it just sort of wore me down. And I said, I'll do anything to not give them a tour of this prison. And they said, well, that's great because we started an internet company uh, and it's getting a little bit bigger and we need somebody to help with marketing. And I said, well, that's fine because uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to do the prison thing, but I don't, I don't, when you say internet, what does that word mean exactly? Mm-hmm. And this was in 93 before there were browsers, when, when domain names were free. I mean, it, it, it was so long ago that essentially everything was still text. Yeah. But I was like, look, I don't, I don't care. You know, walked in the next day, quit my job uh, at the government to go work for an internet company, having never actually been on the internet, Gosh. which makes for a super interesting first day at work. You're like, wait, yeah. what is possible now? <laughs> like, what, what is this technology? So I, I, I've only made two good decisions, Daniel, ever. <laughs> this is really true. One, uh, convincing my wife to marry me, which, which is the best marketing job I've ever done. <laughs> there you uh, go. And two, getting involved in, in sort of digital marketing, you know, at the very, very, very beginning and mm-hmm. having a good sense to never get out. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So you mentioned you got in early in early. the sense of like, you, you mentioned like kind of flippantly domain names were free. Yeah, free. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't like now, of course, you got to go to GoDaddy or whatever and, and pay money for a domain name. Back then, you could get whatever you wanted because there were so few websites, there was no value there. The people mm-hmm. were like, what, what is a website? Why would I need one? Mm-hmm. You know, if my store is closed, why should customers be able to learn things about me? I mean, I, this mm-hmm. seems like absurd now. But, but back then, I spent all my time uh, convincing people that a website was a good idea. Wow. Period, right? Wow. So it was a, yeah. a different age for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned some interesting website domain names well, that you so because they were free, to snag. Yeah, well, because they were free, right? You're like, whatever, just take a flyer. And so <laughs> my, my partners and I in that company, um, we registered a, a whole series of domain names in a very consistent theme, which is the beer theme. So uh, we sold uh, Budweiser.com to, <laughs> An- <laughs> to Anheuser-Busch Brewing. It was a real triumph, Daniel. Uh, we sold it for 50 
cases of beer. That was the that was the that was the, uh, the successful deal. And I was expecting to hear million dollars. Yeah, 50 cases of beer. But I got to tell you, I was the senior partner. I think I was twenty three. Uh, and and when you're twenty three and you you know find yourself you know obviously in a possession of fifty cases of beer from nowhere, like this is the greatest deal yeah, ever. Like this yeah. is a, a real triumph. Uh, and then we sold Guinness.com for two trips to Ireland. And uh, that's and, pretty. Sweet, yeah, that, we actually. got a little better, yeah. slightly better. Slightly, yeah. yeah, we got a slightly Leveraging smarter up about there. it. Yeah. Uh, and then unfortunately, my partner partner had registered some domain names without me uh, i was on vacation and he thoughtfully didn't put my name on the paperwork and and one of those beer.com he cut you out cut me out of the, of the cut, free cut domain names the, yeah, right exactly <laughs> he sold that one a couple years later to another brewing company for 5.1 million dollars oh my god uh, which i saw none of unfortunately. <laughs> yes. and so for that was more like from oh gold to poop right it's so sort yeah. of the opposite of the show yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. yeah. yeah. oh man that's amazing <laughs> so <laughs> What, um, so you, you, you go around and you speak at different events and stuff. Yep. I guess what, what kind of drives you? What's your, what's your passion about this in, in, in speaking? You know, I, my job is to identify patterns and then explain them to businesses and, okay. and to people, you know, so I don't, I don't invent a trend. I'm not a futurist. I, I that's not my, that's not my role. Um, and so I, I say, okay, I see a pattern developing of, of behavior or lack mm-hmm. of behavior. Uh, and for some reason this hasn't, you know, gotten enough tension as it should. And, and then I'll go and write a book about it and give presentations about it. And, and, and we do consulting about it. Uh, so my, my, my most recent book before this one, uh, it was called Hug Your Haters, and okay. it was all about the important how customer service now is actually marketing because so many customer mm. interactions are in public, right? It's yeah. on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these places where, where for, for millennia, really, uh, all customer interactions were, were private. It was face-to-face or mm-hmm. it was maybe email or phone or fax, I guess. Uh, but, but there it was, was no... It was, it was isolated, right? Yeah. So what, what I say is that customer service is now a spectator sport. Yes. And so that changes everything about it. It changes the economic impact. It changes a lot of things. And, and that was a pattern that I didn't discover, but identified and said, okay, people need to understand this. And so I wrote a book about that and speeches. And now the new one, Talk Triggers, is about the power of, of word of mouth and customer experience differentiation, right? Everybody goes about their business now thinking that if they're just competent, people will talk about the business. They'll talk about quality, but quality has to be like mind-bogglingly extraordinary for it to create a story. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know all, all your viewers, I probably know some, but for sure I know this to be true. Nobody ever says, hey, let me tell you about this perfectly adequate experience I just had. <laughs> yeah, like, right. That's, I mean, that's why the, the work that you guys do is so uh, incredible because it, it defies all convention, right? Mm-hmm. And playing it safe and best practices is the road to ruin. Mm-hmm. It, well, kind of in the same way that you're talking about the talk triggers that happen in um, a customer experience type of setting, yeah. that it has to be so much like above and beyond yeah. just like adequate or good or yeah. whatever, just quality. Um, we kind of think of it in the same way when it comes to um, the marketing and advertising yeah. messages that are out there. So that was a lot of the impetus um, or the starting point for us when coming up with concepts for Squatty Potty, yeah. for Poopery, yep. for Purple. And these is like, okay, what what will make people, what will be so special and a story that draws you in so much that you want to talk about it yeah. over the dinner table? Yeah. Like or, with or, your family. Or shared in social or, or yeah, anything exactly, else, right? right? I mean, the parallel trend and, and, and it's sort of why... Uh, the time for the the work that you do is so perfect. This is mathematically true. We trust businesses and organizations less than ever. Right. And we trust each other more than ever. So the real secret today in business, my estimation, is if you can turn your customers 
into voluntary marketers. Mm-hmm. And yep. usually a features and benefits message, a quality message doesn't do that because it's not a story. It's not right. a, we're a little bit cheaper, we're a little bit better, we have a little bit better return policy. That might be you know something that customers pay attention to, but it's not a story. Right. Right. And so if you can get the customers to do all that work for you, you're in great shape. Yeah. Excellent. Love it. Um the name of the podcast is from Poop to Gold, obviously. Yes. And I would love to hear of a time when you kind of ran into a crappy situation and were able to turn that into something much better, even great. Well, my family has been um, entrepreneurial forever, right? I I think uh, I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur. uh, Which is awesome. We started a furniture store in the 1800s. And and everybody has had um, some kind of uh, company of their own since. And I knew that was going to happen for me. I always had that drive. That's why I didn't fit in very well in state government, frankly. Um, (laughs) Not the most entrepreneurial environment. No, not great, especially the prison side. (laughs) Not really good for freestyling. So I knew, like, it was just sort of an expectation, right, that that at some point I could do my own thing. But I got really lucky because of my my early career um, work and success, and knew a lot of people. I, I was I was doing pretty well, you know, um, as as sort of an internet um, uh, kind of strategy expert uh, at mm-hmm. some point. And so I really wanted to start my own thing when I was like maybe twenty two, twenty three. And and I was like, nah, I'm too scared. What if it doesn't work out? And I've got a good job. And why would I take that risk? I was just afraid, frankly. And so uh, when I was thirty. Uh, my best friend, who actually married my wife's sister. So my best friend became okay. my brother-in-law. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I totally recommend. If you can socially engineer yeah, that, do that, that thing. That is right? pretty awesome Thanksgiving thing. Thanksgiving awesome. Yeah. So I have yeah. two brothers that are married to two sisters. Oh, nice. Like it's like seven brides for nice. seven brothers style. Nice. Just Strong. two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Holidays, weekends, it's all good. Uh-huh. So we hung out all the time, as I'm sure same circumstances. It's great. Uh, I was 30. He was 30. Wives, 30. All you know, about the same. Uh, and, and he called me. Uh, one night and and I was working as an internet marketing uh, expert for a company mm-hmm. and he said I just got diagnosed uh, with brain cancer Ugh. and I have to have surgery and they're not really sure what's going to happen and I walked in the next day and I quit and I never worked for anybody a day since then Wow! because I realized that what I was scared of was so insignificant. It was like, well, what if I start a company and it doesn't work? And, and, you know, what if I, you know, I take a reputational hit or what have you. And I realized just in that moment, like it was like a bolt of lightning. I'm like, you know, if it doesn't work, I'll just go get another job doing the same thing for somebody else. You know, it's not, it's not cancer, right? It's just, it's my own fear. And so what I tell people all the time who are, who are young entrepreneurs and kind of thinking about things about whether to take a leap, it's like, just write it down. Yeah. If you just write down your fears, if you dimensionalize them, when you put them on paper, literally piece of paper, don't even type it. When you write it out, every time you'll realize like what you're scared of is actually like a monster in your head. It isn't. It's not rational in most cases, and, and it changed my entire life. I mean, I haven't worked for anybody since, uh, and that was uh, 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's a good story. Thank you for sharing. So, let's talk a little bit about your creative process when it comes to the. Um, either writing your books mm-hmm. or not, maybe it's the same process for your books as it is for like writing your speeches and yeah. that kind of stuff. 
what does that look like for you? How do you like go about coming up with your ideas yeah. and um, identifying these kind of patterns and things like yeah. that? And you're yeah. consulting. I mean, that's, I mean, that's it. You nailed it. Like, I don't know that I would be um, a, as effective of a, of a speaker or an author if I didn't have the consulting firm, because okay. the good news is I'm still in it all the time. Uh-huh. Right. I'm still, yeah. you know, I don't do all the work anymore, et cetera, but sure. I, you know, I'm still in every project to yep. the degree that I see what's happening. I see what clients are struggling with. Uh, and that really helps because it, it, you know, you recognize those patterns. Yeah, but I actually do it uh, from a creative standpoint, different than almost anybody uh, in the business. In that, I start with a speech, right? So I write a keynote, I take it on the road, uh, I, pa- I practice it, I polish it, I, I you know I change the stories in and out, I check audience reaction, videotape audience reaction to different segments, mm-hmm. and I'll do that for about six months. And and if it's working, if it gets to the point like this, audience loves this talk, mm-hmm. then I write a book. Oh, okay. So what most people do, and like overwhelmingly so, mm-hmm. is they write a book and then turn and then it take into it on the a circuit. speech. Yeah. And so I do it the opposite because I feel like um, you you can road test the material. Yeah. And and as a as a consequence, most of my books have um, more of a narrative flow. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it's it has a beginning and a middle and end. Because the speech refined. has a beginning, and middle and end. Yeah. Right. And and a lot of stories and uh, and those you know case studies that that are you know funny and things like that. So. It's it's I've always done it that way, um, except for my very first book when I kind of learned the lesson the hard way that I like this way better, uh, and and I love it. And and sometimes you write a speech and it just doesn't get to where you want to get. Like that's yeah. not a book. Okay. Next yeah. Time. Yeah. I love that you do it that way because um, it's very similar to the way our, our creative process and with the videos. Yeah. Um, essentially, we have writers that are coming up with um, concepts. They're running it by different people to see how that resonates. They'll write a script, see where the laughs are coming in. And we go through that process of writing and running it by different people. Then we then we take it through an animatic, yeah, and um, see kind of where the laughs are coming in yeah. there before we're going into filming. And there's all these steps that happen. Before when you, you check see for laughs, is that internally, video. or do you bring in uh, target audience members? It's, who, it's both. Yeah. So we start yeah. with the internal, yeah, uh, but but fresh eyes, yeah, internally, yeah. And then yes, we'll bring in the target audience, and and we try not to do focus group style. Yeah, um, it just sets people off a little weird. Yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. For the for the material that you do, that's such a sterile environment typically. Yeah, you know? we're we're very much looking for like the recording and stuff of yeah. like what are the actual laughs, and we and we try really not to pay attention at all to what they say is great afterwards. Yeah, um, is, at least laughing. when it comes to yeah. me, it's just where yep. are they laughing? Yep. yep, that's what it comes down yeah. to. And so uh, it's really cool that you like record your audiences to kind of get that. Get that feedback. So um, I would assume you're pretty good at connecting with people, right? That's yeah. kind of part of your business. Yeah, is yeah, and you know, getting to know a lot of people. Some of it's just natural, right? When yeah. I was when I was you know in high school, I was a sophomore, sixteen. You know, they're like, oh, we need somebody to MC the talent show. Yeah, you know, Jay will do it. Jay's you know, an extrovert. Yeah, he doesn't Let's care. Throw him yeah, up there. he's not scared of a microphone, so <laughs> it helps for sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess what what are some some tips that you'd say for Connecting with other people, like yeah. for people that want to um, become, that want to expand their network yeah. in order to further their business. Yeah. What would you say some of I, your networking tips are? I mean, there's no, and, and, and I think events are a, a great manifestation of this. One of the things that troubles me about the rise of social media, which is ironic since I do a lot of social media consulting, is is we, we in many cases, are thinking that social media is a replacement for for face to face and nothing can be further from the truth. In fact, in, in our business as a word of mouth strategy firm, uh, people have said, companies have said to us, well, we, we don't need a word of mouth strategy because we have a social media strategy. 
Like that's like saying that toothpaste is the same thing as the toothpaste tube. Mm-hmm. Like one is one is the ingredient, and one is the conveyance mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the more that people have asked me when I, you know, how did you build your network? And uh, I said, well, I built my network on four happy hours a week uh, and a lot of chicken wings because when I started, there was no internet or social mm-hmm. media, certainly, and it was like every club and organization there was, I joined. And I ended up being president of all of them. And then I started a few, too, because I wanted some different ones, right? It's just, yeah. you know, you, just, you have to actually be proximate to people in a lot of ways to yeah. build relationships, which seems crazy in the digital age, but it's 100% true. And then I think it's just paying attention to, to people, like, you know, taking the time uh, to, to listen and observe. It's yeah. so easy now in this world where it's all about broadcasting and look at me on Instagram or, you know, whatever. It's really easy to get caught up in um, let's talk and 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 not listen and it makes a huge difference um that's great advice so just before this you had mentioned a little bit like sometimes we get kind of um hung up on like tactics Mm -hmm. and things like that and techniques oh man um as opposed to where maybe um entrepreneurs or marketers should be starting first with like what story you're trying to tell what is that like actual connection you're trying to make which kind of gets a little bit to this whole networking thing can you speak to that a little bit i I mean look i've been in in digital since like the first day right Uh Uh, and and it's this this gets worse and worse every year people worry about well how much time should i spend on instagram versus snapchat or how much time should i spend on video versus podcast or you know, how, how can I find a software package that will allow me to make better videos? Or, yeah. you know, it's just, it's endless. And it's all the wrong questions to ask. Right? What you need to ask is, A, what does your audience want? Mm-hmm. B, what do they care about? And, and C, what story do you have that fits, you know, A and B, right? Yeah, and, exactly. Like, if you have the story... Uh, then the rest of it will solve itself eventually. Yeah. Like one of the things we talk about a lot in our business is, is we have to stop random acts of content, right? There's so okay. much just like, okay, let's just fire off a blog post or create a, a video. Let's just go live for the heck of it. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work, right? You have to create shows like, mm-hmm. like Poop to Gold. It's all about shows now, episodic things that tap into your audience's you know, emotional well at some point. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So if our audience wants to find you, where should they go? Best place uh, would be the Talk Triggers show, which is my new okay. show about word of mouth uh, on okay. YouTube podcast. Uh, you can also uh, find me at convinceandconvert.com, which is our main site, where we have now 5,300 articles uh, for business owners and managers about social media, content marketing, all, all these kind of storytelling initiatives. And then my other podcast that you mentioned earlier, socialpros.com, which is for um, people who run social media for, for companies. Awesome. That's great. And anything big coming up that they that you want to kind of let us yeah. in on anything yeah. exciting well, that you have going we on. We actually are starting um, uh, two things, one uh, relatively soon and then one later in the summer. We're starting a, a content marketing strategy class okay. to really help people stop random acts of content and, yeah. and figure out how to create content more efficiently, more successfully. And then a little bit later in the summer, we're going to open up a, a new version of the word of mouth marketing masterclass, which takes people through the same talk trigger strategy approach that we have in the book. Where will those be available? So if you go to convince the convert.com, which I'll be site. there. Yeah. I'll be okay. there. Yeah, awesome. You bet. Okay. Those sound really good. Yeah. It'd be fun. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, like, follow, share all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next one.